welcome to Don't Tell Mama, where we spill the sweet tea on all things Southern. I'm Mandy. I'm Leah. I'm Katie. And you're listening to Don't Tell Mama. Welcome, y'all. So American Library Week is upon us. I think it started in the 1950s to celebrate the great American free public library or free to the public. And it is a week where we celebrate and go and appreciate the library and the librarians who run them. It is an amazing place. And the library has always been a special place for me. It's definitely a tool for people to move socioeconomic statuses, to learn, to socialize, to make new friends, to make new friends with a new genre. And it's just a great place. And I think it's a place that needs to be protected. What is y'all's first memory going to the library? (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you go first, Katie. You look excited about this. My first memory of going to the library was a magical experience. I was definitely a little chillin', a little chillin', walking into, I believe, the first library I remember is the Ocean Springs Library, and seeing that massive brachiosaurus, brontosaurus in the kids' section. And sitting in a beanbag chair, of course, with a stack of books and mama coming to check on me every once in a while. But like, I was just in heaven. There was so much fun at our library. And yeah, I, I it was definitely a magical place, a memorable experience. And I even remember like going to not just library events there, uh, but like Girl Scouts at one point, you know, just like using the library for everything, being a part of the community there. So. Oh, yeah, I are we were always big readers, like in our family. My mom really supported that. She taught us to read pretty young for both of us. And um, I think we spent a lot of summers at the library because it was nice and cool in there and she could just drop us off. She could read. We'd read. We were we easily entertain ourselves with books. Um, I think one of my first memories of the library or one of my favorite first memories, I guess, is the first time in elementary school that I was able to go to the chapter book section. That's probably one of like the coolest things that I, I thought it was just so cool that I could go read chapter books and not just the like picture books. And I think it was like, I got one chance in first grade. And then after that, like second grade and on up, I was able to do that. And it was just like, so exciting. So, (laughs) so I'm the little nerd here. It's okay. Uh, I remember, so at the time when I was young, young, Margaret Sherry Library and the Diarver Libraries were really small. So we actually did a lot of like, if we did any checking out, we went to the St. Martin Library which was slightly bigger on Lemoyne, really geographically. It's not too much difference or a distance. But I do remember going as a really young child to Margaret Sherry. And for Christmas, they did like a nighttime reading where you came in your pajamas. And I think it was for Christmas. 
And I think they read maybe like the Cajun night before Christmas or something like that. So that's one of my first library memories. And it was magical because, you know, you're in your pajamas. It's dark. It's like Christmas time. It's just a great time of year anyway. And the library has been like a great place for me ever since. (laughs) So fun. Yeah, I, I think I should, I think I would love to do that. Like, I don't even do children's library stuff anymore. But if one, our like children's librarian came up to me and said, Mandy, I want to do this. Will you stay late and help? I'd be like, oh, heck yeah. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm here for it. Like, that's so much fun. I've also seen where like children's departments borrow like kids stuffed animals and move them around at night and take pictures to make it look like the animals had a party without them at the library. And I just think that's just so cool. So I do want to I do want to talk about something very important tonight as we're talking about libraries and reading and freedom of information in the United States. So as we started this podcast, we wanted this podcast to be for everyone. Y'all means all, but the library is for everyone and it is under attack in our nation. And particularly, I think, in the South and in, like, rural places where there's, like, a conservative majority, just facts here, like, this, I will say before I start talking that these opinions are my own and they do not reflect my employer. So, uh, right now in the state legislature, it was just passed, it's called HB uh, House Bill 1315, and it's going to the Senate, it's SB 2346, and it is a digital censorship bill, and it's a, it's, it's being packaged to stop uh, ch- children from viewing pornography and pornographic materials, but the language is very broad and it's specific to digital resources. It's a very broad language bill. And what could happen is we could lose all of the databases and things that we provide for our patrons, including like ebook checkout services audiobook checkout services. So I would like to anyone that is interested to review that and to educate yourself on it and talk to your legislatures accordingly. Also, if you do live in other conservative states in the South, I would check because there's probably similar bills floating around in your House legislatures and Senates. Um, But book banning attempts are up in the United States. The American Library Association said in 2022, the highest amount of book challenges has occurred in the United States. And we need to think about what that means for our future and what that means for us individually. And let's be honest, do they actually read the book (laughs) before they try to ban it? (laughs) And I I don't think like, I mean, I get the whole like trying to prevent children from seeing content that's for 18 plus, but this is like, we're talking about like adults that will no longer be able to read like their romance novels, their romance novels, or, and not even that, like any ebook content, Mm -hmm. like you're not just getting rid of certain things. It's the, the bill is, is attacking these or not attacking these. But it it includes all of these digital materials. Like, what about your genealogy and history databases where you use those to, like, Mm -hmm. research family histories and stuff? Would those also be affected? They could be because it's very broadly worded with adult. Like, it's like adult content or something that makes people. One word I saw that hit me because I'm like, how do you define that? was like basically like something that excites you sexually can be under wraps. So what if like, I don't know, what if the census records get you, get you hot? I don't know, (laughs) but I'm just, that's just a broad, I know it's a silly analogy, but 
We yeah. just launched a new digital database for my department, the first one we've ever had. And now we're going to have to worry about whether or not it can stay if this passes. Uh, it might be able to, but it might not. And it also opens the door for them to start censoring the books within the library. And it's really unfair because like they do with teachers, they're professional library staff yeah. that use their best judgment with working with the patrons of all ages and all backgrounds. And for example, a library um, in my, my library system, for example, has a children's card and the children's cards can't check out adult DVDs. Yeah. Like our, our card catalog, our like card, like management system and our checkout system or circulation system will just boot it out. Like it'll just give a huge pop-up message and it will not let them proceed. If a child's card is used to try to check out like 50 shades of gray or something like that, <laughs> or Freddy Krueger, whatever that just showed my age. Y'all know what I mean? <laughs> so we already have these kinds of things in play and it's also professional librarians that choose these materials for the library yeah exactly there's already things like this in place it's just that a lot of these digital content things don't have like um any kind of screening for what like 18 plus or something like that yeah and it's also like anytime the word breast or penis is used which could be a science textbook textbook or an anatomy book for teenagers or a hygiene book or a, a fiction book where a kid's in sixth grade going into the like, hey, you're growing up class. If that's like brings in those words, it can go out. And also, we just don't think a lot of our, our vendors, also in the bill, it says our vendors have to basically give us credit, like financially credit us back if we can't use those resources. And they're not going to do that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a rabbit hole. And it's, you know definitely keeping me up at night for sure but I'm hoping I'm hopeful and I'm hopeful that the library can still remain a safe place for everyone who needs to use it for sure so I have some tough questions for you Mandy <laughs> where can people find more information on these bills or where can they read the bill and then where can people what can people do to help I'm so glad that you asked me that. Actually, you can literally just Google Mississippi Senate Bill 2346 or Mississippi Senate Bill HB 1315, and you can read it in all its forms, like all the edits they've done from the initial. And then there's also a list on the Mississippi uh, government website of all your state representatives. If you don't know, you can easily email them or call them. That is your right for any issue as an American. And, and we can also post this information on our Facebook and stuff. Too. We can. Or or slide into any of our DMs. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to talk to me about this, I will totally off, off the clock talk to you about these kinds of issues and what you can do to help your community and help your libraries. And this isn't just us. It's also school libraries as well. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, we wanted to support our local libraries and give you guys some good book recommendations from three different, very different readers in a lot of ways. So we're going to go through, basically the whole thing today is we're going to go through not every genre, but a lot of different genres and talk about some of our, our favorite books in those genres. Is that correct, Mandy? Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love this. I'm very excited. 
we we had a lot of fun last time I think season two we did books books that, that changed that our life I think yeah yes, books that changed our life and that was one of my favorite episodes I think we've ever done so I, and it was it's one of our top 11 listened to episodes so if you haven't listened to it definitely make sure you listen to that one too yeah we should post a link to that one as well like either a day or two after or before this one like sometime that week I think that'd be fun so um should we start out talking maybe a, a give a little like preface, like what our favorite genres are and how we might be slightly biased in our list because of that kind of thing. You know? <laughs> that's, that's a good uh, thing to point out because <laughs> the ones that I'm missing are the ones that I don't read often, obviously. <laughs> exactly. My list is going to be inundated with like fantasy and probably some kind of romance because I use books as a form of escapism. It like helps me to just deconnect, disconnect from the world and really just like stop everything going on in my head. Cause I think too much guys, I can't stop the thoughts and stuff going on in there. So mine is fantasy and romance highly or fantasy primarily with a romance twist. I like historical fiction. So mine will be kind of spread throughout a lot of those kinds of genres. Mm. What about you guys? Going through this list, realized how my many phases I've gone through as a reader, <laughs> like, cause I went through like the, the backlog of my Goodreads red pile digitally, mm -hmm. obviously. And I was like, man, like I've gone through like real YA phases and dystopian phases which was like a, a big thing in the you know 2010 time frame right now I'm reading whatever strikes my fancy that I can get my hands on an audiobook because I'm in my last five or six weeks of my master's degree so whatever it's on audio I can get I love chiclet I will always find comfort and happiness in chiclet and I really love, if we're talking nonfiction, I love travel books of like real travel stories. I think my favorite genres, uh, because I am graphic novel reader, are definitely science fiction, fantasy, I guess dystopian. But I really had a hard time narrowing that down specifically. That genre threw me off a bit. And then adventure. So, yeah. I had a really good conversation with my coworker today, Janessa. Hi, Janessa. She's also an awesome librarian about chiclet versus like romance and how it's a little different. Oh. Chiclet often has a romantic element, but it's not the whole story. Like it could be about a group of friends or a woman struggling at work or trying to find herself or moving to Ireland into a cottage her family inherited. Like chiclet, I feel like is pretty versatile, oh. but we had a really good conversation about it. And I think maybe that's why I like it. What would be like the, like in your mind, not necessarily your favorite, but the quintessential chiclet book, the first one that pops into your head? Probably the early on ones from like uh, Confessions of a Shopaholic yeah. by Sophie yeah. Kinsella for sure. And um, like Jennifer Weinauer books, like In Her Shoes. I think she wrote In Her Shoes. Don't quote me on that. Um, there's another one uh, called Good in Bed. That's another like classic, like to me, like beginning the genre how the genre tone will be kind of thing yeah I think confessions of a shopaholic is the one that like defines that genre for me you know in terms mm -hmm. of of what to expect mm -hmm. um, and I really have a preference for British chiclet like 
maybe because of the Sophie Kinsella, because she is British. She is a British writer. <laughs> nice. Books with an accent. I love it. Yep. Love it, love it. Okay, so Mandy, why don't you start out with your favorites then, since this is like your jam right here. Uh, it's really funny you said that, because it is actually a British chiclet. <laughs> like, it's also British that I chose. <laughs> So this is a newer one and there's a lot I love. I really debated. I love coincidence of coconut cake as well, which I consider chiclet as well because of her personal journey because she has more of a professional journey with the romance, but it has a big romance element too. But the one I chose was The Road Trip by Beth O'Leary because I feel like it just had all the things. And what happens in this one is the uh, main character has has been broken up for several years from like the love of her life and they're they're, her and her best friend are heading to a wedding or her sister. It might be her sister. They're heading to a wedding in Scotland and they get rear-ended by her ex and his bro, that best friend that she can't stand. And they all have to shove into this Mini Cooper with another bloke that works with the friend, like the friend getting married that they don't know and get to Scotland. All these things happen. Like there's a traffic accident and they get stuck in traffic. They lose a tire. It just is all the things. And it is all the things for Chiclet too. So The Road Trip by Beth O'Leary, 100% recommend. Amazing. Okay. I fudged a little bit on this one. Starting early. (laughs) I know, right? I know, I'm cheating here. Okay. So Chiclet, I, I, it is not as much my jam as it is Mandy's. I will read very specific ones that Mandy sends me um, because I trust my book dealer. (laughs) But it is not always my favorite. So I lean a little more towards like the romance side specifically here. And, but I did go with a group of friends and it's a series of books called um, A League of Extraordinary Women. And basically these are, it's historical fiction, chiclet romances. (laughs) (laughs) So here we go. All the genres in one. But the first one is called Bringing Down the Duke, and it's by Evie Dunmore. And it's basically a story of, of, I think, like four or five women who are blue stockings. So they are in England. Also British, by the way. Um, they're, they're from England and the United, or the United Kingdom. There's like some from Scotland. But anyway, um, they're blue stockings. So they're a bunch of like basically women who are trying to be educated and educate themselves during a time when they're not really supposed to be. They're like the first women going to universities and they're uh, like fighting for the vote and like all of this kind of stuff. Oh, they're suffragettes. Yes. Yes. So they're like blue stocking. That's like the coined term in the book, at least. But there's the whole series is just absolutely adorable. It's very like comfy, cozy, fun. And I just absolutely love it. But the first one is called Bringing Down the Duke by Evie Dunmore. And I've read the whole series so far. And it's it, it just, like, made me smile so much. And each one is different. And it has a different little romance trope. But, you know. Oh, cute. <laughs> so I would say that this is, Chiclet is something that I've started to read more now because of our romance novel book club. Um, and I've kind of opened my eyes to other other options, but Mandy gave me this book, <laughs> so this is another one from Mandy. All right, it's called The Devil, The Lovers, and Me, My Life in Tarot. So I went through a phase in life where I was really into tarot reading, and this like struck 
all the chords I needed at that time. This um, book is by Kimberly Auerbach. And the main character, female, she is going through hard times, going through some transition moments in life. And she just is kind of reaching for everything, right? Everything to help anything and everything that could help her. And I've been there. So <laughs> I, it really was poignant for, uh, for, for me. And um, I think it's a, a charming tale of this woman kind of in, in, down in the dumps and then she finds her way uh, uh creatively through um you know into a better outlook on life so and it's it's just one of those good feeling books as well at the especially at the very end you know it's like i, I don't necessarily want to give it away but it's it's like one of those ideas of like you have all the answers and you you know, it's like the Wizard of Oz idea, right? It, your mm -hmm. home is, is you know, in you and wherever you are is home. So, yeah. Anyway, lovely. The Devil, the Lovers, and Me. Yeah, it's cute. Thanks for the book, Mandy. <laughs> yeah, that one, I did, that one was just sitting on my bookshelf. I got it from Hudson's, like, for super cheap. And it yeah. was sitting on my bookshelf. And I'm like, I'm never going to read this. I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give it to someone else. <laughs> and I snatched that thing up. I was like, okay, let's get it. <laughs> yeah. I think we mentioned in our, our other book episode that we are mood readers. So there are mm -hmm. things that we don't read books unless we're in the mood to read that specific book. You so know? true. There's been plenty of books that we've put away and then picked up later. And that was the time and the place for them. So that's so also true. something to consider when you're listening to our recommendations. Okay. So the next genre, I'm going to take over here because this has long been my favorite since I was <laughs> a child, you know, since Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher and on and on and on. And that is fantasy. So this is where I live. This is my comfort zone. This is my home in terms of, of books. So this one was difficult for me. I, in terms of like, do I want to go old school? Do I want to go like what I originally loved or like what I'm loving now? And I think I went with what I'm loving now and it's very popular, um, but it's it's anything by Sarah J. Mass, and mm. a, specifically one of the books that Mandy. It's not her favorite. <laughs> I will. <laughs> this is not her favorite series, okay? But it is mine, and I think I read it at just the right time when I needed it. And it any this whole she has sub, three series out right now, but my favorite is the first book is A Court of Thorns and Roses, and. She also has a series called um, that starts with a throne of glass and then one another third one that starts with Crescent City. And I absolutely love her world building skills in these books. So she builds three different worlds. And I it's very like in my mind, almost like Tolkien-esque in terms of like how much world building she does now. It's not to the same scale as Tolkien. That is, you know, he's like, in my mind, like top tier world builder. But it like, it, it gives me that vibe in terms of, of world building. But these are romance novels as well. So 
all of them, all, all three have a heavy element of romance. So they're written very much for a female gaze, in my opinion, but a Quarter Thorns and Roses, anything by Sarah J. Mass. Just remember, during world building books, the first book in every series, she's building a world. So you do have to get through the first one usually in order to really get deep into the plot and into the world and into these stories that she's building. So just remember that. But it is something I commit to deeply. And <laughs> I love a good long series. So. <laughs> Okay, I'm done. Off my high horse. Off my fantasy realm. I'm good. Who's next? Do you have a fantasy book, Katie? I definitely have a fantasy book. And I I think I may have already talked about this one. So I'm going to switch it. I'm going to switch it to something different. Y'all let me know if I've talked about Saga before. No. I know. Okay. okay. Well, then I'll keep my original because I think I've talked about it on our Marco Polo. That's probably what it is, oh, our, yeah. our book club. Yeah. Okay. So, fantasy. Also, my heart is out to fantasy books. This, this particular graphic novel can go into many different categories. It's very science fiction. It's very romance. It's, you know, it's got a little bit of everything. It's one of those. Okay. Saga by Brian K. Vaughn. Not everyone's cup of tea. It's art. Uh, the art is a huge part of why I like it. The artist is Fiona Staples. Uh, uh, reasons why it's one of my favorite fantasies is it's like, imagine like a Romeo and Juliet forbidden love type thing in, on different planets. Plural. Oh. <laughs> Plural. They are, it's, so speaking of world building, right? This is a really cool multi-universe multi-planet type space uh graphic novel so it's it's really cool and it's like um what else uh so it's it's graphic (laughs) in many ways not just because it's a graphic novel but it's graphic in many ways and so that i feel like that's why it's not everyone's cup of tea but i love the the visual aspect of it and the story just takes twisted turns that I personally can never guess, which I love when when my mind is entertained, right? And I'm not like, oh, I know what's coming next. Oh, I know what's coming next. You know, they really um, keep you guessing. Each each character, they take some time to... Um, so they. I feel like Brian K. Vaughn does a really good job at... If there's an evil character, ooh, they're going to like kind of shape the entire scene, you know, around this this new presentation of a character and, and you really feel it. You're like, oh gosh, this is going to be bad. And then if it's like, um, you know, they're going to have a romantic moment, like everything just, um, the environment changes, everything shifts. And not only uh, because it's a graphic novel, there's art right there's lots of uh images but that um it's very descriptive and very raw how they um i guess communicate the story portray the story mm-hmm. i i freaking can't say enough about the series saga is phenomenal it's so good i do like a good world building like high fantasy but mm-hmm. actually my preference on fantasy runs more like realistic fantasy so like magic in the world we live in 
basically there's another word for it. It's not coming to me right now, but so my favorite is actually standalone. And it's one I've listened to twice once with myself, once with Ed. So I liked it enough to listen to it again because I knew Ed would like it. And it's the invisible life of Addie LaRue LaRue by V.E. Schwab. And that one's a really good book because it's basically a girl makes the deal, a deal with a version of the devil or an old God. And she lives, she's immortal, but no one remembers her after they like lose sight of her. So say if you were in a room with her and you walked to the bathroom, when you come back, you wouldn't remember her. It's a really good book. It's, it's uh, kind of gives me the vibes of um the historian kind Ooh. of like the, it's like a rich writing style like that. Mm. And it's, it, it's, it's got, it's, it's got a lot of things to go in for it as well. I love the line. There's a line that begins and it's used throughout as a theme is um, don't pray to the gods who answer after dark. Ooh. And so just to give a little teaser there. So yeah, definitely love it. We'll uh, probably, li- I'll probably listen to it again at some point. I'm sure. <laughs> So, uh, so basically fantasy's fun cousin is science fiction. In my opinion, I don't read a lot of science fiction. Actually. I like science fiction. When I read science fiction, I'm into it. Like I'm into the book I read just, uh, it's just a genre. I don't bump into a lot. I, I also agree. I had trouble. Actually, I didn't have trouble with this one because there's very few that I have read, you know? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think that this one was a lot easier for me because of that, um, because there's there's just so few science fiction novels that I've actually read, so. Mine, hands down, was The Martian by Andy Weir. Hands down. Fantastic. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. I think I've, I think most people have, a lot of people have probably heard what, that one, seen the movie. I Yeah, Matt uh, Damon, yep. <laughs> <laughs> this should have belonged in my toxic trait. episode um I my toxic trait is that if I've seen the movie I won't read the book oh yeah you said it a couple of times on the podcast yeah it was was in your toxic trait oh I did okay good yeah yeah that is that is a really good one Mandy I agree I so there's a couple like I've read like the Red Rising series and I liked that one a lot um but I think that I'm going to go old school on this one. And I really love Meg by Steve. Uh, what is it? Stephen Alton. Stephen Alton. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's a cheesy science fiction novel. It's not as cheesy as the movie. Do not watch the movie. It was awful. But the actual science fiction novel Meg is about a guy who basically um, goes down into the abyss and realizes that Megalodon the shark still exists and it follows him to the surface and then it wreaks havoc, eats a restaurant, does all kinds of things, (laughs) you know, and it's just the whole series, like the very first one is the best one, but um, the rest of them were uh, just as fun and and outrageous as well. Nice. Um, My favorite science fiction i recently just uh listened to the audiobook of benti by nanetti akorafor and it's a novella so it's short and sweet but it, it's like a, a part a, a part of three a series of three i haven't gotten to the others yet but they're on my to read or to listen list um why i love it is uh 
because it's extremely beautifully written mm-hmm. and I love the idea of this. So the main character uh, kind of goes through a lot of like development in this world and th- her tribe or her society that she's a part of, they all wear this protective like mud mask all over their bodies so no one knows what they actually look like and it's like they're completely covered even their hair they cover every bit of their hair and it's 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 really cool it's like uh they sense danger through it through this mud mask so it's it's amazing it's so interesting yeah that's a unique one (laughs) yeah that is that sounds really unique yeah yeah it's really it's really good nanetti okorafor I could definitely be butchering that. And how do you spell the title? Oh, Benti. B-I-N-T-I. Oh, okay. Perfect. Okay, yeah. cool. Just because that one might be, I don't. I didn't know how to spell that one off the top of my head. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Let's see if I can enunciate it better. Benti. <laughs> there you go. The next one, I believe, is... What's the next one? Let's see. Dystopian. Okay. Thank you, Suzanne Collins. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Quintessential. Okay. Let's for this one, quintessential book for dystopian novel. Yeah. I I need like Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Of course. Yes. That is exactly what I think of. So I did not choose that one. Although it is because it is like the, the, in my mind, it is like the paramour of what. It is a fantastic. Yes, it is. Fantastic series. Yeah. Yeah. The new, the new one, the prequel, the, the movie is coming out on in November. So November 17th, I believe. Yeah. November 17th. Yep. Which is Ballad of Songbirds and Serpents. (laughs) Katie. So what is you, let's, you start out then. What is your, do you, do you have a favorite dystopian? I do. Give me one second. It all makes sense now. I totally understand this genre now. (laughs) I think this fits. I think what I had fits. Okay. Watchmen by Alan Moore and David Gibbons. Uh, I think it fits because even though this is like technically planet Earth that these people live on, everyone is miserable. (laughs) So I think it fits. I think it fits. Um, if you haven't read it yet, it's another graphic novel, but it's it's a thickin. It's like two C's and a Q thick. Um, so it's yeah, it's really well done in my opinion. Um, once again, I don't think it's everyone's like favorite. Thing, it's a lot. It's, it's a, lot. a lot. It's a yeah. lot. I've I've read it's it. A lot. Oh, you have. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I would say, um, and there's a character that really bugs the shit out of me. Like he, he like um just goes on all these rants, but but I feel like the message from it is like this really deep, dark, you know, dystopian message. So I I freaking love it. <laughs> it's yeah. really good. It's like the beginning of a dystopian. Like it's like setting up a dystopian society Ooh, to me. I like that. Even better way to describe it, Mandy. Even better way. So, yeah, exactly. Like dystopian basically means like the world has ended or this large regime has ended. This government has failed. And, and then what happens after, right? The dystopian mm-hmm, part yeah. is the after, uh, the aftermath, right? So there's so many, so many 
And I actually went old school for this one too, because I didn't choose Hunger Games or any of the newer dystopian novels that I love. I went Handmaid's Tale. Yes. Yeah. That's a classic. Because oh, the Handmaid's ma- Tale, even though they have this book, the, the TV show was actually published, I think, in the 80s. It was. It was. This was one I read in high school. It was probably, probably uh, the first dystopian novel I read. Another often challenged book. Yes. Yes. And so, oh my gosh, so well done. It's a lot easier to read it than it is to watch the TV show in terms of like, gore and just you know all of that kind of yeah it's not quite as harsh in the book as it is in but it's so but but it's a lot just as strong but it's a lot sadder if that makes sense because there's no hope because in the book it only goes like to like halfway through the first season so think of how like you leave her in a really freaking sad situation (laughs) like like it's just a really sad situation exactly the i will say the imagery of them when they're like in the training or whatever to be handmaidens when they whisper each other's names in the dark is like one of the most powerful moments i've read in literature yeah Yeah. because you lose your name the point of the handmaids is their name is 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 gone and they have to be like the name of whatever man that they have to serve and family they have to serve and the night like i said i just i don't know i feel like that's a really powerful so I agree, Mandy, completely. Like it, it's one of those books that stayed with me for a very long time. And it's, but again, The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, mine is actually a little bit of a fudge too. I, I've read a lot of dystopians. I like, Mar- I like, I like the Hunger Games series, of course. But so this one actually could also be kind of considered a fantasy, the Kiss of Deception series by mary e pearson but they allude that it is after our world ends there's Mm -hmm. a part there's parts in the book where like when they're traveling through the lands like they see like rusted cars so i am going to and it's not high magic or anything like that in the book so i am going to i'm going to qualify it as a dystopian but kiss of deception is a fantastic book it is where a girl who's a princess runs away on her wedding day and there's three points of view there's her point of view there's the man that she was the prince she was supposed to marry. And then there's an assassin sent to kill her. And you don't know which one's which between the assassin or the prince. It's a fantastic series. It's been a while since I've read that one, but yeah. Yeah, I'm due for, actually, she came out with two more after and they don't make sense unless you've read. <gasps> Ooh, so I got the, I got the first one of that part. It's like a duology. So I'm, I'm going to have to get on that sometime soon. <laughs> I might have to revisit that series then. Nice. And if y'all hear my cat, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is presented. This episode is brought to you by Charlie Boy. (laughs) The loud. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, Adventures. The next one, Katie, isn't this partially your genre? Why don't you take over this one? I got an old school one for you. You ready for it? Yep. Holes by Louise Sasher. It's Ooh. so good. <laughs> yeah, that I've actually, I don't know if I've ever read it, read it, but my students liked it. But I've read Lewis Thatcher. Uh, they had a book called Six Great Secrets. I think it's also another challenge book. <laughs> okay. Was, yeah, fun. He, he's a great author, though. He's a great children's yeah. author. 
I don't. So I guess this could also be considered YA, right? And uh, one of the later genres that we have. But I, I, I'm going to call it an adventure uh, for this particular category. Uh, I don't think I need to describe or explain that story very much, right? <laughs> um, right, right. Yeah. Digging holes builds character. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> That's a really good one. Yeah, love that one. Did you come up with one, Leah, for this I one? I did, actually. I, I kind of had a hard time with this one. So I actually did come up with one. Um, mine is also, it, it borders historical fiction, but it's called In the Heart of the Sea, The Whale Ship Essex by Nathaniel Philbrick. And it's basically, <laughs> he took all of the memoirs and any uh, factual information he could find on the um, the tragedy of the whale ship Essex. Um, and he basically recreated their story. And this is the, the ship that um, the book Moby Dick is based off of. So it talks a lot about the historical context of the island of Nantucket, and then also their journey at sea. So, uh, and then the, the sinking of the ship and, and everything like that. So it was very good. It was very well done. I, I think I listened to it during COVID. It was an audiobook. Um, so it was also one that you can listen to on audiobook. You don't just have to read it. Um, because mm -hmm. sometimes like those kinds of books don't do well don't translate well in audiobook, but this one did. It was very good. It was, it could also be considered, uh, no, it could, it, it, it basically it's, it's either historical fiction, but mostly adventure, an adventure story. It was very good though. I really enjoyed it. It was very well written. And I liked the, all of the factual information and anything that he embellished, he, he talked about that, like he put in there that it was embellished or he didn't, he had to fill in certain information pieces of information in these certain areas so he did a really good job of of covering his bases in terms of that um but it was very good good adventure story mm. yeah i had to think on it i mean of course you know there's jules verne is classic mm -hmm. if you want something like open source I've, i did like read Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea and i was like traveling italy which is kind of fun but my actual one i chose was the midnight library by matt haig and that one's interesting because mm -hmm. This woman's in like a coma and she's basically traveling through different versions of what her life would have been if she made certain decisions. But I consider it adventure because of each, each, like I said, each chapter is like a whole new possibility for her. All right. You know, we got something for our next genre. This is romance coming up now. Um, how hard was it for y'all to narrow this down? <laughs> It was because it's like, do I like the real smutty stuff or like the real thoughtless stuff or like, do I want a slow burn? But slow burn, right. I really love a good slow burn, but I get real aggravated too quickly mm -hmm. with slow burn. It's like, so it was very difficult. And then there's some where I'm like, is this more chiclet than romance? But there, right. there's a lot. I've read a lot of romance. So this yeah. was difficult for sure. Do you want to go first, Leah? I can go first. Okay, so I do want to preface this by like talking about the difference between spice and smut because I feel like that is an important distinction. Smut is with has like no plot, so it's sex, no plot, right? Okay, yeah. 
It's all sex, no plot. You barely care what the characters' names are. You are reading it just for the sex scenes. Spice needs plot. You have to have an actual plot. You have to have actual characters, some building going on, you know. But it also includes a hefty portion of sex, right? And then you just have, like, cozy romance novels or other romance novels that don't necessarily even have spice or smut. You know what I mean? So there's all different kinds of levels of romance. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that I went with, um, and then you have like historical fiction, which is like old school peak trashy romance novels, right? Where it's like some Duke. Period pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing you over his shoulder, blah, blah, blah. So. Quivering members and all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, can I just, I, I watched a TikTok last night and this whole, the the girl's whole thing is women written by men. And it talked yeah. about, it talked about her, her rippling breast. <laughs> this girl on TikTok talks about her whole thing is watching, is men who, like women written by men in novels, like, or in books, right? Mm-hmm. And, and she's she reads directly from them and she read one last night or parts of this one last night and she and it was like her rippling breast and it was like if I cannot stop laughing about that like a rippling breast I'm like if I told DJ I was like if my breasts ever ripple take me to the emergency room (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) I'm curious if we have a variety like for our romance like if if we have some smut if we have some spice if we have you know oh I historical I I mean I can give you an entire like you know a whole bunch I can give you a bunch of different ones you know what I mean um I actually went to the my my origin story of romance novels (laughs) and um in high school I started reading these books they're historical fiction novels written by Victoria Holt. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I collect them. They're classic. They're not like, it's, they're very like classy historical fiction romance novels too. They're not like, they're a very low level of spice. Very like PG-13 level of spice here. Okay, guys. So don't go run out and buy all of these um, unless that's your jam. Okay. Very low level of spice, historical fiction, anything she's written. I started with the India fan and Mm -hmm. um, I have several other friends who love them too, uh, but I checked those out at my local library as a, and I was like, I mean, I was a a teenager. I was like 16 years old when I started reading them. So it's like PG 13, you know what I mean? You know, it's most, it's all about the love, but I loved them and um, I actually have almost all of them. I bought them like secondhand because they were uh, written in the 80s. Um, she has other pen names and stuff too, but those are that specific series I, I really liked. So. so we are actually going to have to leave this episode on a cliffhanger for you because we talked so long that this is now going to have to be a two-part episode. So you'll have to tune in next time to hear what Katie's favorite romance novel is and more about our favorite books from different genres.
For more stories and all things Southern, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you find your podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media platforms at Don't Tell Momo. We would like to give a big thank you to David Sewell for the original music. Thank you to all of our Momos who have inspired us along the way. And thank you to Anchor for your incredibly user-friendly site. 